In July, Norm Smith would be sacked. It sparked extraordinary and perhaps unparalleled publicity. The letter produced the bombshell that his appointment as coach of the strongest football club in the history of the game was cancelled as from that date. Jeff, I would say that this is one of the greatest calamities that ever happened at Melbourne. Four days later, Smith would be reinstated. The damage had been done. Melbourne would miss the finals for the first time in 11 seasons and not play in September for another 22 years. The narrative around Melbourne now is becoming more and more alarming. There's a sense there's still a dark, heavy cloud hanging over the club. Melbourne was alarmingly uncompetitive against the young Gold Coast Suns and outmuscled by a third-year team. That's Jack Watts, boys, with his first possession in AFL football. There's and four blokes on him. I reckon three Magpie players said, we'll introduce you to AFL with the big sandwich tackle. Melbourne had just 39 tackles. Seven didn't even lay one. Gary, Tom Scully going being approached by GWS. Yep. Please tell us what you know about that. Uh, I can only tell you what Tom Scully himself has said, and that is that he has not had any approach, nor his family, nor his manager. I'd just like to say a big thank you to the Melbourne Football Club. They've been absolutely fantastic to me, and it was the toughest part of this decision um, to leave the club that gave me an opportunity to start my AFL career. But nothing could stop the violent assault on the scoreboard. A 20-goal half for the record-breaking Cats. Melbourne out of finals contention, yet into the history books for all the wrong reasons. I feel uh, embarrassed. There probably isn't strong enough words to, to suggest how poor we were today. The AFL is preparing to charge Melbourne footy club heavies Cameron Schwab and Chris Connolly and former coach Dean Bailey with bringing the game into disrepute. It follows tanking allegations from 2009. Melbourne supporters have gathered around the race and this is very, very unfortunate. Words being directed towards the players there as they leave the ground. Footballer Jim Steins is to be given a state funeral after his death earlier today. He knew he wouldn't live to join his son and his grandson at the footy. The desire to save his footy club was very close to his heart. Around 2.30 this morning, Dean Bailey lost his brief battle with cancer, his wife and two sons by his side. Melbourne's bedraggled players limped into work, heads down, not wanting to face the world. The AFL is very worried, that's why they've sent in former Essendon Chief Executive Peter Jackson to sort the mess out. Melbourne has won just five of its 29 games under Neil. From the board's perspective and my perspective that the results uh, just aren't acceptable where we're at. I want to officially welcome Paul Roots to Melbourne Football Club as senior coach. And in the dying seconds, Melbourne fans have waited such a long time. The drought from a finals appearance 12 years, 1964 since the flag. And now Melbourne might be the fairy tale story of September. Melbourne have beaten Geelong in the elimination final. They're singing yeah, the song for It's great. I mean, as I said, it's hard to explain when I first got to the club what it was like. It's been unbelievable. Fourth, yeah. the 17th on the ladder. I've thought about it long and hard. And the only conclusion I'd come to is that last year is an aberration. We all fell in. All the optimism of last year, I fell in. We all fell in. Man, it's been a shit journey at times. Um, it's been bloody hard and bloody tough, and they've stuck by us. And um, 
what I love is, you know, when we get going, they come out in their droves and support us and, um, you know, just stick with this group because, um, you know, we're, we're going somewhere pretty special. My mum won in 1964. Well, if you guys can do it, why not? Why not you? Welcome to the inaugural episode of Sports Speak. Today I'm joined by Jono. We're going to talk some AFL. We're going to get into life as a Demons fan through the 8-0 start and the history that preceded it. We're going to get into some predictions for Round 9 and we're going to talk Collingwood-Port Adelaide, the Stripes debate. So let's get cracking in. G'day, mate. Shall we just get? Shall we rock and roll? Let's get straight into it. So, the inaugural episode. Welcome to Sports Speak. Sports Speak. We're on. (laughs) Just for the record, everyone, (laughs) he's wearing his D's jersey. Um, Have you been wearing it every day? (laughs) It uh, it makes an appearance with every recording because I like to look at it, and so ah yes, if I can see it, it just feels better. You know, I don't know if anyone's aware, but the D's are eight and O in the AFL, and well, you haven't told anyone. As a bolted-on Demons fan, I am uh, I am enjoying this ride. It's a nice change. Well, actually, should we just start? We'll start with the D's then, because I'm you know I'm not going to have a bad time doing that. No, I think it's a good way to go. It's a, it's they're probably you know the 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 best story of the year so far, and I think it's not particularly close. I've seen you when you've not been up and about, so this is this is enjoyable, and it's just bloody good to have a team that plays good footy and and started to have the ability to a dominate opponents, but b also grown out some wins over some quality opponents. So I think I think they're set up really well for the rest of the season, and they haven't really got their A game together yet, which is also important. It's been a long time coming to have a team that you actually and any demons fans will totally understand where i'm coming from which the curse that's been there since 1965 the last time the d's were eight no under norm smith the legendary norm smith yeah so i guess i want to paint a bit of a picture with with what it's been like as a d's fan you know in the early 2000s in my teens the d's were a reasonable team they were floating around the top eight generally speaking for that first part of the decade from 2000 onwards, we're always there or thereabouts, but never really on the cusp of threatening. Cool. But from 07 through to 2018, it, you could not have a more cursed run as a club. They went 0-9 to start 2007, which just seemingly came out of nowhere for any D's fan. We were semi-finalists and just... You watched that team and you wouldn't have thought you'd have come out of the gate at 0-9 the next year and that, you know, all hell would break, break loose pretty much ever since. Yeah, yeah. No, no expectation for that. But then what, what quickly became apparent is, you know, within that next year itself, the Reverend Neil Danaher, he, he quit mid-year. And then from there onwards, it just became an absolute debacle, the way the Demons ran, ran the show. Dean Bailey came in. I mean, talk about, talk about a rough few years. Dean Bailey passed away not three years later of cancer. Neil Danaher's got MND. Jim Stein's passed away of cancer, who was the club chairman. The club was done for tanking, or not done. They were actually found innocent, but still fined 500 big ones. And They managed to tank without tanking, but still got 
fine for tanking. An explosive Brock McLean interview blew the lid off that what everyone was basically an open secret to the point that the AFL had to be seen to be doing they had to something. Do something at that stage because somebody right. from the inside was telling everybody on the outside and. The club in that year, 2012, 2011-12, I mean, we had the loss to Geelong, which was 233-47, to 47, which led to Dean Bailey's sacking, which is, I mean, it was always going to happen, wasn't it? And then, you know, Mark Neald came in thereafter. Every draft pick from 06 to 2012, first-round draft pick, is no longer with the club. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. They had four picks in the draft that Nat Fife went all before Nat Fife was selected and ended up with Cale Morton. It was a disastrous period of time. I think the best record throughout that period from from 07 to 10 was about four wins, had a couple of eight-win seasons and looked like things were getting back on track and then Scully couldn't have left fast enough. Not that he was the answer, but he still couldn't have left fast enough, which was a blight on the club. He spent two years there and bolted as soon as he could. You don't pick up a guy that highly and expect him to just bugger off as soon as somebody weighs a few weighs a few dollars in his face, even if they're going to give his old man a fake job. I mean, you got Jim Steins passing away, Robbie Flower passing away. These guys that were club champions and the fabric of the club that aren't there anymore, it just takes so much wind out of the sails. And I think that culture had to be rebuilt from the very, very bottom up and other clubs don't have to worry about that. Yeah, well, I mean, a year under Neil, we ended up 2-20, and 20, which was as bad as it got record-wise. Uh, and when you're winning two games in a whole year as a fan base, it's such a long way back and it just feels as horrible as it is. You saw Jack Watts debut when he shouldn't have. You saw Jack Trengove and Jack Grimes become captains at 21 and 22 years old in a struggling club. Didn't make any sense. So there's so many decisions made over such a long period of time that just were self-inflicted wounds. And so as as a follower of a team like that, it, it's really hard to bite when they look good. Rusey came on board, Peter Jackson came on board, the gradual build was on and the succession plan with Simon Goodwin was there and it felt like a club with actual purpose, direction. And a plan again. And a plan, and right? A plan again. And the plan wasn't just lose as many games as we can and hope our draft picks work out, which was great. So when 2018 came along and we got all the way to the prelim, a game I went to, the semi-final against the Hawks, I was absolutely losing my mind with excitement that my team was going to a prelim. And we ended up over at Subiaco for a goalless half of football in a prelim, our biggest game in 13 years, and we just didn't show. And then the following year to drop back, to 17th on the ladder and you just as a supporter it's heartbreaking it's been the it's like a false dawn wasn't it it was a false dawn and it was just you think you're there you think you finally sifted through all that quicksand to come out the other side to hit another sinkhole and it's it's been very demoralizing as a fan and it's not actually a bad story it's a great story because the point of the the whole going through the whole history and the and the struggles and being a fan and Living that is that now they're 8-0, but it feels sustainable for the it feels first... different because it feels more... It feels like it's a realistic record for the way that the club, the way that the team has played. It's not a mirage. They have been the best team in football this year. And then you get 
a guy like Cozzy Piggott that just changes everybody's attitude. It's like having a rainbow in your back pocket. The Dees were three goals down against St Kilda. They were two goals down against Richmond. They were two goals down against Sydney. They were in a jam against Hawthorne in a tough contest, four points in it into, into the last quarter and went away by 50. So mm-hmm. it's not one of those ones where they're winning a few games easily and then they drop the one they should win. And that's what Demons fans have expected for years. I mean, you just look at 2017, finished ninth, losing to Collingwood in the last round who had nothing to play for, missed the finals. 2018, we made the finals. Hooray. Nearly lost it, lost a game to Sydney at the G that we were expected to win and then actually went over to Perth and beat the Eagles when no one expected us to win. That's what the Ds sometimes do. 2019 yeah. fell away. 2020 lost the two games in Cairns that we should have won. So everything that you expect, like you go into this season, you've got the game against Hawthorne. This is a game the Ds could lose. The game against Sydney. This is a game the Ds could lose. But this is the first year I've genuinely sat there on the couch, not really, you know, you watch on the couch, you've got your, you know, when you really ride or die these games, when you just, your team's never had that taste of success. 1964 since a flag. So you you want that success. You, you crave it. You desire it so bad. You want to see it every week. Every week. You want to ride that wave. And that's that's the momentum I feel like these guys, and you hear them say it after games, they go, now we're 0-0 again, and we go and do it again, and we never take it for granted. But it's the maturity this year that feels different. They've had these binds, they've had these situations, and they've had these games that you expect them to drop or think as a fan conditioned to watching this club, this team, fall yeah. away. But that is not this year. It comes down to the decisions that they've made with their playing list along with their coaching staff. They stuck with Goody, and I think... Up until this year, I, I would have suggested that there were quite a few question marks about Goody as a senior coach. I don't think there was a bloke on a hotter seat coming into the year. No. And, I mean, I like the way that they've dealt with it and I like the way that Goody has dealt with it. They're led by the right player. And I think it goes back to that blueprint of Ruse saying you need to build this and you don't need to worry about how long it takes. You need to do it this way and this is the way that it'll work. The results were up and down and round and round, but the culture is a different, is a completely different animal to, to the last three or four years previous. You know, you, you mentioned they've got the right guy leading them. I, I think Gorney and Viney are the exact perfect yin and yang to each other. Viney's hard nut. Demons through and through, ball getter and intense. Gorney is just a laid back, laconic dude who doesn't take everything life and death. And I think that's really important for a club that's sunk to some of the lows Melbourne has sunk to because the pressure is real, Jono. Like it, it's hard to explain. Oh, yeah. the, the D's fans, I, I'll, I went to the Anzac Day Eve game at the G and I went with my girlfriend, Keely, who from the UK does not, let's be real, it's not her thing, right? And I'm sitting there, sitting in this Where's row. Where's she from in the UK? Not relevant to the pod, doesn't matter. <laughs> She's... Uh, Although she red or is she blue? <laughs> oh, no, she doesn't care about that either. Um, yeah, all right, cool. So, <laughs> so, so we're sitting there and I, it's me, her, my mate Nick and uh, Charlie. I'm sitting there and I'm in my seat, I'm forwards. I'm like can't see it, it's not a visual medium, but I'm 
leaning very far forwards and intensely watching this game, right? They're all sitting back, relaxed, having a chat, watching the footy, whatever. There's a game, a moment there where Jack Rewalt kicked a, the second goal. He kicked the first two goals of the game. And obviously Charlie's sitting there with us. So she gives a cheer, right? She goes, oh, look, oh, it's your brother. That's fantastic. Oh, I could not have death stared her any quicker. <laughs> That is, down. <laughs> that is that is not how we handle our business as a <laughs> We are a united front. As Demons fans. No, not happy, not having that. And uh No, we, we look, but look, you, you sat there and it was a pleasure to be there for Jones's three hundred. There's no one who's given more blood, sweat and tears through the harder times for the club and never left, which I think speaks volumes about the man and the character. More broadly, it's just it's great to see a club where the defense stands up. They never get a run on of goals like a Carlton. It just doesn't happen to the D's. It will. There will be a game that they lose. Obviously, yeah. that happens. But it no longer feels like, oh, here we go again. And as a Demons fan, to not feel like here we go again every game is a bloody good feeling. And so I'm wrapped. Eight no. How- cannot ask for more. One final thing before we move on for the days, because I had the pleasure of watching Cyril Rioli for his entire career. How good is it to see? How do you feel when Cozzy Pickett picks out the ball after somebody spilled it at the end of at the bottom of a pack? Like, just take me through it. Yeah, it's it's pretty exciting, isn't it? I mean, look, he took on the Tigers there at the G and didn't care. You know, he pointed at the scoreboard against three-time Premiership players. All right, now let's tackle one of the biggest issues in sport, which is the black and white stripes. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> me up, watch me go. <laughs> oh, what a what a fight in a sandpit this is. Well, it's a black and white issue. They only want to wear it once a year. If I was Kochi, I'd be like, all right, well, how much is how much is the AFL going to leverage a fine if I wore the the bars? And then go, okay, so it's 500 grand. I'm like, well, I'm going to buy 500 grand worth of jerseys from my jersey maker. And I'm going to give one every silver member that sings that bloody song every week when they play at home and wave that around instead of the bloody scarves and just say, all right, everybody gets a jersey. Well, wait on. Most of the fans already have them. If you have a look at the crowd, they've probably bought the Port Adelaide Magpies versions. Yeah, look, I hate Collingwood enough that I would buy one, and I hate Port Adelaide almost <laughs> as much as I do Collingwood. But you got to love Kenny, don't you? Yeah, Kenny's all right, but, I mean, he hasn't done anything. Oh, fair, really. fair shake of the old Savoy. Not everyone wins the flag. Not everyone's Alistair Clarkson, Jono. I know you've yeah. lived a very charmed life. I mean, we're lucky to have him until the end of this <laughs> season, so let's see how we go. All right, so you think they should be able to wear it for the showdown, for example, and just carry on, get on with it? I think they should wear it for the showdown and they can wear it in, you know, officially licensed shoots or whatever. And we should be away from having Eddie Maguire comment about anything and instead he's still bloody jabbering away and he's like, now he's considering himself the muzzled attack dog of the Collingwood Magpies. If I was that new chairman, I'd be like, Ed, I don't care what you think. You've got to shut the hell up because you're making my job next to impossible. Yeah, look, the uh, argument between him and Kane Corns was just oof, embarrassing for both. Uh, and Kochi, like, like, and, and to be honest, in the media, Kochi and Eddie are doing themselves absolutely well. Ed, I don't think Eddie cares anymore. I mean, he's been 
outed as the leader of a systemically racist club. I mean, how much lower can you go? What, but, is, yeah, what has he got to but, lose? But for, but, for Koch, but for Kochi to get involved in all this is just, mate, just stop. You're not doing yourself any favours at this point. I think sentiment genu- generally, other than Collingwood fans, is let them wear it at the showdown. Who gives a shit? Yeah, but there is there is some who do say, you're not the Port Adelaide Magpies. You came into the comp as the Port Power. You agreed to all these terms, which they did. There's a contract literally that says they agreed to these terms. I just think, who gives a shit? Can we just let them wear it's, it once a year and get on with it? It's a footy jersey, and yeah. it's a part of that club that's 150 years old before they set foot into the... Like, there's got to be a place for, there's got to be a place for Port Adelaide's SANFL tradition within their football club, and the fact that they've got to wear teal every other week means that you can wear the Port bars. Yeah, I'm for week. it. All right, well, let's close out with some predictions for the week ahead. We got uh, the big game, the Saints and the Cats, Friday night at Marvel. Who you got there? Yeah, it's gonna be carnage. Geelong so, are going to smash them. Geelong comfortably, yeah. I think Geelong should get over the line there. We've got Sydney and Collingwood. Saturday Arvo at the SCG. Uh, Sydney. You'd like to think Sydney would wrap that up. That, uh, that would put them six and three. It's a long way down from there. Uh, Hawks and the yeah. Kangas. That's a big one out in Tassie. Kangas are getting three dollars. I mean, I'm a died in the wool Hawks fan, but I'm also a mad gambler. So three three bucks on the Kangas in that game is not bad odds. Gamble responsibly, of course. Gamble uh, responsibly. You know what? North North haven't been that bad the last couple of weeks. I mean, they're, not, they're just a team learning how to win, and this is a good game for them to actually try and win because they're playing the least least exciting yeah, team in the comp. I still can't see it. They're just they don't. I don't think they know how to. So I've got the Hawks yeah. there. Speaking of tasty amounts, the Q Clash is down at Metricon Saturday afternoon. The Gold Coast Suns take on the Lions. The Gold Coast are at three dollars fifty-seven at the moment. Really, I'd t- be taking the three fifty-seven. They always come up for the Clue Cat, the Q Clash, and no Lockie Neal. I'll give him a shot. Yeah, I've got the Lions. I, I, they're in good form at the moment. Lions. They might be they the form. Fig- they figured out what was what was lacking early in the season, and McCluggy just stepped up. So he's very important to how they do their business. Richmond and the Giants at Marvel Stadium. Big game. Big game. Eighth versus ninth. I think the Giants, but I. Giants. Giants. Interesting. Oh, they can kick a score. They should win. The Giants should win this. There's no better time to get the Tigers than right now. So, and I think Hogan for Finlayson is actually good, and apparently oh, he's going to play this week. Clearly, and Toby good. Green's the best player on that field. Uh, he may Pretty very much. well. He may very well be. Yeah. Uh, Saturday night. This is a big one. Adelaide Oval. The Power and the Doggies. Doggies. Oh. You know what? No it, loss. It's a huge loss. It is a really, really hard game to predict. No, no lice at no butters. That's enough for me. The power are pretty good on their home deck. I'll tip I the power. That- Sunday Arvo, Essendon and Freo at Marvel. I've got a morbid curiosity in this one. Freo can't travel, so Essendon. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think Essendon's form has been better than their ladder position indicates. Sunday Arvo, MCG, Melbourne and the Blues. Melbourne by 30 plus. Yeah. Oh, geez, I'd like to think we'd win that. There's still the nervous demon fan in me. Um, yeah, you're not going to lose that, so you just got to feed off it instead. 
And then the last game of the round, out in Western Australia, you got the Eagles and the Eagles. Crows are at seven to one. <laughs> I mean, you can't touch it, but seven to one, gee whiz. Mm, um, yeah, West Coast, yeah. no drama. West Coast will smash them. Well, that's it. That's that's the round coming up. We've got a few predictions out there. We'll... Thanks for listening. We'll be back with more sport next week. Cheers, guys. <laughs>